G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Realfaith.org.au I had the opportunity to travel to Ethiopia and I remember landing in that hometown and we walked into this this huge meeting. There were 5,000 people there and we were supposed to be speaking on the platform. And we, we walked in and, and the translator starts telling us, they're not happy. And so we thought, what's going on here? We've arrived and already we're not welcome. Welcome to Real Faith conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through, helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's real people, real life and real faith with Eric Scadabo. Well, last time we heard Chris Brown from Perth share a bit of his story. We heard how despite coming from a broken home and his mother kind of going off the rails when he was a teenager, Chris was called into full-time ministry, and his faith became stronger and stronger. This time, Chris will share more of his life journey and some of his incredible stories of doing ministry overseas. Today, we'll pick up his story as he has finally been given an opportunity to serve in full-time ministry after his wife had advised him to pass up another opportunity. I got an offer from the church we were attending, a very large Pentecostal church in Perth, uh, if I'd like to come on staff. And I saw the wisdom of God in all of that. And I thank God again for my wife who, you know, stuck to her conviction. And uh, if we had taken that other position, I wouldn't have been able to accept the role at the church. And this is where uh, our mission journey really began because they offered me uh, the, the, the description, I guess, for the ministry as the missions pastor there at the church as well as looking after their international movement. And so my job was to go all around the world, talking to people about Jesus, growing the movement, and and basically bringing Jesus wherever I went. And it was fantastic, but it meant yeah, that yeah, I had I, to I leave just want to stop you there because let's not overlook the fact that you turned down a job that you wanted based on your wife not having a piece. I mean... Yeah, yeah. That that was, well, A, you're honoring her, but B, you're honoring faith that if you don't both have a piece as a couple, that's not a good thing to do. And you were blessed by obeying that. Yeah, yeah, because I, I realized that had to be hard. when I look back at it, yeah, it, it was, I mean, it was hard leaving. I mean, I was coming up for my 15 years annual long service leave. Yeah, yeah. The, the company was going to have their 250th anniversary and uh, we were all going to go to Germany and have a big party. And so, you know, we were turning all that down by leaving the company, which mm-hmm. was fine. We did that. And then, yeah, also turning down this opportunity, which for me was really what I wanted to do was a big challenge for me personally. But, you know, I, I, I thank God that over our marriage, I've learned to trust my wife's intuition and mm-hmm. to listen to her and mm-hmm. and to understand that there's a reason why God puts you with someone mm-hmm. and it's yep. not for Amen. you to be the Lord and master. It's for you to work as a team. Mm-hmm. We went from having an opportunity to maybe affect six or seven people through this mission agency to affecting thousands. Mm. 
So you were tremendously blessed by your obedience and listening yeah. to your wife. Yes, yes, we were. So tell us about the exciting things you started to do then. Yeah, so um, one of the roles at the church was teaching in the Bible college. And I, I remember meeting a young man and uh, he was from Ethiopia and his story was quite a touching one. Mm-hmm. He had um, watched his father being uh, persecuted by the government there. And, mm. uh, you know, he remembered quite dramatically one day that the government troops came into uh, the church and dragged his father, who was a pastor, out and mm. literally uh, dug a hole in the ground and threw him in there and then oh, buried wow. him in that hole and then began to shoot bullets into the ground. His father survived due to the fact that the grounds stopped the bullets, but that was the kind of political upheaval that was going on in the country. Yeah. And because his tribal group was a different tribal group to the government, uh, there was um, political unrest and and basically this kind of intimidation going on all the time. Mm. And so he, as a very young man, as a, a 13, 14-year-old, you know, was arrested for, you know, political reasons and 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 put in jail and he spent five years you know waiting for a trial mm-hmm. and uh when that trial came on his way to the trial he just ran and he escaped and got across oh, well. the border into a refugee camp mm-hmm. and he eventually was sent to australia under our refugee resettlement program mm-hmm. to melbourne hardly speaking any english and in melbourne he got saved mm-hmm. he came over to perth to do Bible college at our church. And he was a student in my class. And I remember at the bottom of every page of his assignments, he wrote, I will change my nation. And, uh, you know, I'm quite emotional just remembering it. And, um, yeah, when I I had the opportunity to travel to Ethiopia, I said to, to him, look, let's go. Let's, let's do this. Let's help you to change your nation. And so I remember going over there, there was another guy with me and this this guy, Delessa, and we, we went to Ethiopia and he'd organised a, um, a crusade in his hometown. And I remember landing in that hometown and we walked into this, this huge meeting. There were 5,000 people there and we were supposed to be speaking on the platform. Mm-hmm. And we, we walked in and, and the translator starts telling us, they're not happy. They're not happy at all. They're, they're saying that these these uh, foreigners are not going to preach on this platform. Who, who's not happy? The, the, this person who was speaking on the platform when we walked into the, the big crowd, mm-hmm. he was talking about us while we were there in the crowd. And oh, he wow. was saying, they are not going to speak from this platform. And if, if, if they speak from this platform, you know, I'm not going to be happy. And so we thought, what's going on here? We've traveled all the way from yeah. Australia with the lesser to help him change his nation. Mm-hmm. And we've arrived and already we're not welcome. Huh. And so I said to the guys, look, you go back and pray. I'm going to attend the afternoon session and I'm going to believe for a breakthrough. So they went back, Delessa and my friend, they, they went back and they just began to pray. And uh, I went to the afternoon and they, they said, you can come and sit on the platform with your translator, uh, but you're you're not to speak. Uh, after about two hours, they were having some worship and the, 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 the Africans were up dancing on the platform and, and the Holy Spirit said, Chris, you need to get up and dance. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> and I oh, said, wow. Uh, God, white men can't dance. <laughs> <laughs> These are Africans. I can't dance with them on That'd a platform a in front of 5,000 people. <laughs> they don't even want me to speak. Yeah. And um, so the Holy Spirit wouldn't let it go. He just said, Chris, get up and dance. And so I, 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 I was obedient. I, I don't know if I look like David, uh, you know, <laughs> dancing there on the platform. Yeah. But uh, I, I just tried to imitate this African dance, you know, and oh, wow. and uh, I was there dancing with the choir and the crowd got excited and they all got on their feet and they were dancing. And literally after that, the, the, the meeting, they spoke and then it ended. And, and then this guy came up to me and he said, I want to have a meeting tomorrow morning with you. We're going to discuss the problem. And uh, I went back home, saw the guys, and they said, we felt a breakthrough about two hours in and we stopped praying. And I said, that's when I started dancing. Oh, wow. And, yeah, so the next morning we get around. Uh, it's like very early in the morning and there's just two candles lighting up this room. And we're, we're there in the, in, the, in the room and they're all fighting. Everyone is fighting. Even the translator is not translating what's going on. She's getting in the argument with everyone else. <laughs> and we're just sitting there not having a clue what's happening. Yeah. And so we just start praying. Yeah. And, and I'm prayer praying and he's praying. And suddenly the Holy Spirit just come on that room and they start weeping. And they oh. are crying and crying and they're weeping and they're repenting. And it all comes out that the people had not been happy because they had been asking the people for money for this crusade and for the people to give for this crusade. And then when my friend put up posters all around the town, it said sponsored by our church in Australia. And so the people were saying, you've been asking for our money and it's actually being sponsored by this church in Australia. Oh, okay. And so they, to save face, said, we won't let them speak. This is all a lie. It's not true. Oh, and, okay. uh, of course, they were lying to save face and that's why they had not let us Speak and mm. the head of their whole movement has said, if any of you let them preach on that platform, you'll lose your job. And so they all repented. They were weeping and they said, you can speak. And that afternoon mm. we went back and we spoke on that platform and the people were transformed and they kept dancing. They kept praising God. We went home for the, the evening to come back later in that evening and they were still there dancing when they came back. We, wow. They had not left the place. And uh, that night we saw an amazing miracle. And I've got video of that uh, <laughs> dancing that was just going on for hours as they worshipped the Lord. And just we came back many times to that country, three times we're in Ethiopia. The next time we came back, we had um, a team of 21 people. We saw 12,000 salvations in two weeks. And Wow. Yeah, he's he's got thriving churches over there with thousands of people and you know, the nation is starting to be changed. And, you know, the, the, the prayer of his heart, I will change my nation. Yeah. Uh, and it was a, just such a privilege to, to journey with him. And, you know, that was just the opening to the mission's journey for us. Our guest today is once again, Chris Brown from Perth, who's sharing more of his story and some of his remarkable ministry experiences overseas. We'll hear more of Chris's incredible stories when we return right here on Real Faith. Looking for resources to grow your faith? Check out Vision Christian Store with books, movies, audio CDs, DVD resources and more. Plus, free delivery on orders over $50. See visionstore.org.au You're listening to Real Faith. Conversations with real people about how God works in their lives. If you want to know more about integrating faith into your life, our website is realfaith.org.au. 
Just go to the website and you'll find helpful articles about the impact faith can have on your life. Once again, that's realfaith.org.au. Welcome back. I'm Eric Scadabo, and today my guest once again is Chris Brown from Perth, who's sharing more of his life journey. Before the break, we heard how God had led him and his wife into full-time ministry, and he also shared about an incredible experience he had while preaching in Ethiopia. Next, he shares another remarkable story, this time in the country of Burundi. Yeah, Burundi was um, probably the closest to my heart. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I remember... Um, my pastor asked me to go there because there was a, a ministry she wanted me to check out and to see if it, it would be, you know, worthy of being a part of the movement and whether they were legit. You know, you're always checking out if these guys are really who they say they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I landed in Burundi. I had no idea what it was going to be like. It's one of the poorest nations in Africa. Mm-hmm. It's been uh, torn up by uh, ethnic violence between the Hoodoos and the Tutsis, mm-hmm. similar to what happened in Rwanda, but yeah. the opposite. You know, we had uh, the opposite group killing and murdering the other ethnic group in that country. And so we we landed in this place. It's a, a it's so much bitterness and anger between the different uh, ethnic groups in that mm. country. And and uh, I had no idea what to expect. And we meet this guy, this bishop who we're working with, and, you know, he touched my heart. And he, his wife worked as an economic advisor to the president of the, the country and the president, he, he used to be a rebel in that nation fighting for the, you know, against the government. And uh, he had a pastor who actually accidentally walked into their rebel camp in the jungle. Oh, wow. And he said, that guy has to die because he knows our camp. And the, the man oh. said, we can't kill him. He's a pastor. And so he said, well, he can't leave. And so what happened is the pastor lent the guy who was the president, but he wasn't the president then, the rebel leader, mm-hmm. to the Lord. Oh, and so wow. he turned his army, his rebel army, into a band of worshippers. And they wow. began to worship the Lord and pray in the jungle for their country. And uh, as they did that, uh, the political situation changed in the country and he was invited to become president of the nation. And so this was a very dramatic turnaround for the country. He uh, had people from both ethnic groups on his cabinet to mm-hmm. bring peace to the nation. Mm-hmm. And uh, he decided that he was going to bring Jesus to his nation. And so twice a year, he would have crusades in his nation. This is the president of the country holding Christian crusades in his country to bring people to Jesus. Wow. Unbelievable. You don't hear about that every day. Yeah. Now, I I didn't meet with him on this first trip, but Mm -hmm. um, when I went back home uh, after meeting with the bishop and, and spending time in Burundi and hearing these stories, the president's wife decided to come to Australia mm-hmm. and to connect with the, the people of Burundi in Australia. And she came to Perth and uh, they decided to use our church as the venue. And so my pastor said to me, Chris, you, you've you been to Burundi. You're the one to look after this thing. <laughs> so oh, okay. I became the, the, the person who was um, showing the first lady around, um, making sure that everything flowed smoothly for her visit. And so this then um, connected me with her. And so um, the president of Burundi invited me and um, the pastor's husband, who was quite a, a big businessman, quite connected in um, government circles in, uh, in Australia, to come back to Burundi and, and meet in that nation and to, to tell them about uh, 
you know, ways that Australians could help the uh, businesses in Burundi to grow. Mm-hmm. And so we went, it was a very political level visit. We, we met with the president and with many members of the cabinet. And I remember one night we were summoned to the palace for a meal. And every Sunday night he would have a Bible study in his palace and he would invite members of his cabinet and the who's who of Burundi. Mm-hmm. And we were invited guests and he would have oh, his wow. own personal bodyguard who were a choir sing. And he would literally sing in this choir and sing praises to Jesus and dance to Jesus. And I remember needing to to take a, a toilet break and I went inside looking for the place. You know, it's a palace. It's a, a bit <laughs> difficult to, to find <laughs> where you needed to go. And yeah. as I was looking around, um, the ambassador came up to me. He said, Chris, would you be happy to speak to all of the assembled guests here tonight? And oh, wow. I said, okay, um, yeah, I guess so, thinking <laughs> I'd have about half an hour to prepare. Yeah. And I remember doing the business and coming back out and he said, okay, are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> All I had was a scripture. God had just given me this one scripture in Ephesians. And so I, I just spoke from this scripture and uh, just began to encourage them. And as I spoke, the Holy Spirit just gave me words and I Mm. I remember speaking to the cabinet and the president there from my heart about how God has chosen them for this time to change their nation. And I think it must have impacted the president because when I went back home and he was re-elected, he wrote to me via his ambassador and said, Chris, I would like you to come back and speak to my nation. Uh, I'm going to have a crusade because of my re-election and I want one person from each continent to come and speak at that crusade. And so I, I I went back to Burundi, and and this is one of the most powerful moments in my life. And I I think mm. if if this was the only thing that ever happened in my life, it was worth it for this. And mm. I remember speaking uh, at in the morning at a prayer meeting to the who's who of Burundi there, and I spoke about faith, and I, I challenged them: don't put your faith in the white man. The white man has raped Africa. You need to put your faith in God. You need to to trust in him and look to him for your country's needs and, and, and believe that he has an answer for your nation. And I remember after speaking there, the other white guy, because there was only two of us uh, white guys there, he was from Canada and his name was Chris as well. And he said, Chris, we, we've got to do something about this. We've got to repent on behalf of what white men have done to Africa. So it's my turn to speak tomorrow. Why don't we wash the feet of the ambassador and, and give a financial gift to the president and repent? And, and I said, that's fantastic. Let's do that. So the next day he gets down and he, he says, we want to repent on behalf of, the, of what white people have done to Africa, of, of raping Africa, of the resources and, 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 and destroying Africa and creating violence in Africa between tribes. And we want to repent of that and we want to wash the feet of the ambassador. And so we, we gave our, our gift of finances and we, we, we washed the feet of this ambassador and then this amazing thing happened. Keep in mind, this is televised to the whole country. Mm-hmm. And, and we're there and, and then the ambassador gets one of the ladies from the cabinet and who is from the opposite tribal group to her. Keeping in mind, there's been hundreds of thousands of people killed in tribal violence in this mm-hmm. country. Yeah. And he kneels down and he washes her feet and he says, please forgive me for what African men have done and how they've treated African women. Mm. And please forgive me as a member of this tribal group for what we've done to your mm. group. Wow. And then she gets down and washes his feet 
and says, please forgive me for what our tribal group has done to yours. This is on national television. The, the president, the first lady, the whole cabinet, all of the business people in Burundi are just all there weeping and bawling and crying their mm. eyes. I'm crying. We're all crying. Yeah. This is on national television, mm. reconciliation between these two tribal groups. And I thought if I never do anything else in my life, it was worth it for that moment. And wow. it was a, a, a powerful time. Yeah. Wow, that, that is so special. I mean, these are just a few of the stories of your travels, and all because you listened to your wife and uh, yeah. passed up that <laughs> one, and I got this special position that allowed you to travel to other countries, China, the Philippines, India. Uh, we don't have time to get into all those wonderful stories in those countries as well. But let's move on yeah. to the next phase in your life, where you become a master trainer with Dynamic Church Planting International. Now, what was that all about? Yeah, so I remember my pastor saying to me, Chris, I, I believe that we need to get into church planning as a church. And um, I was looking after the movement for the church. And she said, you know, I want you to go and do a training with this organization and just see what it's like and come back and report to me. So she sent me to this training. And uh, there I, I met the head of Dynamic Church Planning International, Paul Becker. He It was a privilege to be trained under him. And I just got this fire in my belly. I just realized that church planning was the call of God in my life, that I was called to be a mobilizer and that I needed to mobilize people to church planning. And so that was the journey that began in my heart. I went back to my, my head pastor. I said, we need to get into church planning. I oversaw a church plan for her in another church. And, and then I, I thought, I've got to do this myself. But I didn't tell my wife. I just kept it to myself for a year and then, she said to me after a year, Chris, I think we need to plan a church. Oh, and I wow. uh, said, yep, God's been speaking to that to me for a year. Mm -hmm. And so we, we went and saw our pastor and said, look, we're going to have to step down. We're going to have to resign. Cutting it, the story short, you know, we, we stepped down. I went out and got a secular job. And for six months, we just prepared, just spent time with our family, prayed through it. And then in 2015, we had our first you know, a little practice service in a, a daycare center uh, with about three other families and, and started the journey of church planning. And six years later, our church is thriving. We've been blessed to travel still to the nations and uh, have a thriving church community around us and see lives changed and transformed in that church and through the nations and the effect that, that church has had in the nations. Wow. So now you are Pastor Chris Brown. Yes and continuing to touch people's lives through the people in your congregation. And I, I've been told about several stories of wonderful stories of people having their lives changed and healed from uh, abuse and other kinds of things, which hopefully we will hear about in the future as well. But uh, let's kind of tie together everything we've been talking about, all these wonderful things happening. I mean, I don't think somebody could be more on fire for the Lord uh, without literally being on fire <laughs> than you were because all these <laughs> great things that you're doing both in Australia and overseas. But going back to the start of our conversation, all this is happening while your mother, on the other hand, is going the opposite direction away from the Lord and describing herself as a born-again atheist. So were you in contact with her at all during all this time while you're growing and becoming a pastor? Yeah, she was watching it, and uh, I don't know how much of an impact it was having on her. Maybe you can ask that when you interview her, but mm -hmm. I, I continued to pray for her, and um, she had a moment in her life where God came and, and impacted her and dramatically 
spoke to her and brought her back to Perth, which is when she asked me to baptise her, which was a, a beautiful moment in our life. And I'll leave her to tell the rest of the, okay. the, the details about that story. Yeah. But it, it was a privilege and an honour after praying for her for so many years to baptise her and then see her go on her own journey of faith. Yeah, normally we hear about the prodigal son. Uh, this is the reverse of prodigal mother. <laughs> Yes, yes. Yeah, it was quite an amazing story. And uh, her journey is, if not as exciting, probably more exciting than my journey. Yes, she goes on to get an Order of Australia medal for help she does. But we're getting yes. a little bit ahead of ourselves. Yes. They have to listen. We are. <laughs> you have to listen to find out what all happens, all the exciting things and how the Lord uses her. But uh, any concluding comments as we wrap up our conversation today? Yes, I... I I'd just like to encourage everyone out there listening that God is true, that he is faithful, and you never Amen. lose by trusting him. But mm -hmm. you need to remember that God's plans will never exist in the amount of money in your bank balance, the job that you have. They are going to stretch you beyond the money in your bank, beyond the job that you have, beyond the, the things that you can achieve and, and no plan for God will ever be able to be achieved in your power and your strength. So mm -hmm. you have to understand that when you walk with God and you walk a journey of faith, you will be stretched and you will have to be in a place where you have nothing but God. But mm -hmm. that is the safest place, the best place and the most exciting place you will ever be in your life. Amen. Pastor Chris Brown, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me on your program. God bless Eric. Well, that was part two of my conversation with Pastor Chris Brown from Saving Grace Church in Perth. To find out more information about his church, the website is savinggracechurch.com.au. Once again, that's savinggracechurch.com.au. Well, I hope you enjoyed the second part of Chris's story. However, there's much, much more to the story. This series of programs started by talking about the contrast between Chris's life and the life of his mother when he was a teenager. At that time, Chris was growing stronger and stronger in his faith, while his mother was going in the exact opposite direction and growing further and further away from the Lord, and kind of going off the rails and having a prodigal mother experience. Next time, Chris's mother, Robin Devonish, will share how God eventually gets a hold of her heart and how she goes on to do extraordinary things for the glory of God. That's all coming up as this series continues next time with Chris's mother, Robin Devonish. You've been listening to Real Faith. And if you have any questions or comments, you can send us a message through our website, realfaith.org.au. That's realfaith.org.au. Real Faith is a production of Vision Christian Media. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.